Thanks for tuning in to God Besotted. This is Karina. I hope that you are encouraged by today's episode. And if you are, would you please rate the episode on Spotify and on Apple, write a review if you are so led and share it with a friend. With that, I think it's going to be a good time. So let's just get right into it. There's a well-known passage in the Gospel of Matthew called the Olivet Discourse, where Jesus teaches extensively on end times. And his teaching is a response to the disciples' question, which they asked him in private. They said, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And in response, Jesus promised that the signs of the coming kingdom would include wars and rumors of wars. He told his disciples in Matthew 24, verse 6, for example, he said, you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars see that you are not frightened for these things must take place but that is not yet the end right now the world is watching in horror as Russia has invaded Ukraine and the Ukrainian people hold their ground and fight back and people are asking all over the world what can we do what can I do what should we do And so as we watch the suffering unfold on social media and we hear the stories and we're fearing that the worst is yet to come, what can we do? That is a question I want to consider in light of today's passage. And it's a passage in Luke that I think aptly illustrates our responsibility as Christians during a moment like this, really in every moment, but especially a moment like this. Because moments like this remind us that the reality is we are always at war. As Christians, we are always warring with the spiritual forces of darkness that are in the world. And we are called to beat back that darkness because we are representatives for the master of the house, the king of the universe, who is coming back soon and who will finish the work of driving out darkness. And so as we wait for his return, we are told in this passage in Luke and multiple times in scripture to be ready, to watch and wait for our coming king. But as we'll see, our waiting is not passive. It's active. It's strenuous work. So Luke 12 verses 35 through 40, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and there's an urgency to his words as he begins to impart important things that they will need to know after he is gone. The Pharisees have begun to ramp up their plotting of Jesus's arrest and crucifixion. And so he is aware of his time quickly approaching and he is urgent in his words to them. So verse 35 of Luke 12, he says, be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly, I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them. Whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. You too be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Now, obviously, in this passage, the main thrust of it, the main message is be ready. He says multiple times, be dressed in readiness, be ready, be on the alert. So the natural question is, what does being ready look like? Being ready, I would say, from looking at the immediate context, is having what we can call a kingdom mindset. And this is made more evident as you look at what 
proceeds in what follows this passage. I'd encourage you in your free time this week to read what proceeds and what follows Luke 12, 35 through 40, so you can see how this passage fits in with what else Jesus is saying in this moment in time to his disciples. It's not a coincidence that this passage on readiness comes on the heels of Jesus's extensive teaching about worry in the Gospel of Luke. He starts in uh, chapter 12, the very beginning, telling his disciples not to fear man, He knows that the Pharisees are plotting his destruction, and he tells his disciples, don't fear man, but only fear God, because man can kill your body, but God is the one who keeps watch over your soul. And he reminds his disciples, as they are gearing up for Jesus's departure, and he knows that they will be targets of the Pharisees and of persecution, he reminds his disciples about God's love and God's care for his people. God knows the hairs on our head, and the death of every sparrow does not go unnoticed by him. He sees his people, and his Holy Spirit is with his people when they encounter persecution. That's all in the first 10 verses of chapter 12. Then in verse 13, someone in the crowd says to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. And Jesus responds by encouraging the crowd not to think that life is about stuff, not to think that your life consists of possessions. And he says, even if you have an abundance, what you have will be left behind whenever your soul is required from you. And he tells the famous parable of the rich fool who acquires so many goods for himself. And at the last moment, uh, he's unprepared for God to call him to judgment. And so Jesus encourages his disciples specifically with the truth that every treasure we store up on earth is going to be left for someone else. But being rich toward God lasts forever. And so we come to the conclusion right before our passage, the conclusion Jesus comes to after he tells his disciples not to worry about clothes and not to worry about food and not to worry about their life and not to worry about what they'll eat or what they'll drink. He says in verse 30 of chapter 12, for all these things, the nations of the world eagerly seek, but your father knows that you need these things, but seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves money belts which, you do not, which do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the first thing we need to do to be ready for the coming king is to have a kingdom mindset. The first phrase in the passage we're looking at, verses 35 through 40 of Luke 12, says, Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. That phrase, be dressed in readiness, literally means to gird up your loins. You've probably heard this phrase tossed around before, but if you haven't, a little refresher. In Oriental cultures, it was common to wear a loose flowing tunic. However, for moments when you needed to travel, when you needed to fight, or when you needed to do work, the tunic needed to be um, put out of the way. It needed to be adjusted so that you could do those things unencumbered. And so the way that this was done was by wearing a belt or a sash. The bottom of the tunic was lifted up and then gathered up and tied or tucked inside the belt so that it was out of the way for whatever the person needed to do, whether that was travel or work or fighting or whatever. So when Jesus says, be dressed in readiness, he is saying literally, let your loins be girded. 
Get ready to work. Get ready to move. In First Peter, Peter uses the same term in、uh, a passage about suffering and a passage on awaiting the coming King. Peter encourages his readers not to let the suffering that was coming at them to take them out, not to let it to steal their hope. Instead, let the suffering shape their character and strengthen their faith, because when Jesus is revealed. At the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is a term that refers to His second coming, the same topic of our passage, when Jesus is revealed, if they have persevered in suffering, they will find praise and glory and honor. Therefore, Peter says in verse thirteen of chapter one, therefore prepare your minds for action, keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Prepare your minds for action is that same phrase. Gird up your loins. Another place that this is used, this phrase, "gird up your loins," is in Ephesians six, in the context of spiritual warfare. Paul tells the Ephesian believers to put on the full armor of God. One of the elements is to gird your loins with the truth. And so we have this idea of being dressed in readiness, being ready for battle, for work, for travel. And Jesus, in the context of Luke twelve, is using this imagery in an analogy about servants and the master. Of a house, he says, "Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast, so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks." What Jesus is saying is that what is coming should affect what we do in the present. When we know that the master of the house could come at any moment, and he is pictured as being away at a wedding feast, he can return in the middle of the night. He can return after a week. He can return in the middle of the week. In the second parable that Jesus tells in this section, he pictures. Uh, the master returning and the second or the third watch. That means that he could return in the deep night. Jesus is saying that you need to be prepared for the master to return at all hours, and the way that you wait is important. Because it determines how you will be found when the master returns. Will you be caught off guard? Will you be found unfaithful, or will you be found faithful and sensible, able to? Receive praise and glory and honor when Jesus returns. We know this is true in our own lives, don't we? We know that our future plans affect our present priorities. What you believe is something that you want in the future is going to affect the way that you live in the present moment. Jesus is saying that the master of the house is coming back, and he wants his servants to be ready to open the door when he knocks. Revelation pictures Jesus as saying, "Behold, I stand." At the door and knock. Are his servants going to be ready for him when he returns? That is what Jesus is encouraging his disciples to do: to be ready, to be ready to move, to be ready to work, to be ready to fight. When,、uh, in the meantime, until Jesus returns, there's a beautiful, beautiful article written by a pastor in Ukraine who describes how he and his church have decided to stay,、um, even in these weeks when、uh, the media has been predicting a Russian invasion.、Uh, The church did not take the opportunity to evacuate. Instead, they took the opportunity to stay and to minister to the people in their community. And he writes in an article for the Gospel Coalition. He says, "While the church may not fight like the nation, we still believe we have a role to play in this struggle. 
We will shelter the weak, serve the suffering, and mend the broken. And as we do, we offer the unshakable hope of Christ in his gospel. While we may feel helpless in the face of such a crisis, we can pray like Esther. Ukraine is not God's covenant people, but like Israel, our hope is that the Lord will remove the danger as he did for his ancient people. And as we stay, we pray the church in Ukraine will faithfully trust the Lord and serve our neighbors. This church, this pastor in Ukraine is prepared for whatever will come and he is determined to be faithful in this moment however he can and the reason is because he believes there is still a king on the throne who is watching over the church in Ukraine the people of Ukraine and who is coming soon he knows that his role in the interim while the master is out of the house is to be the master's ambassador that means doing what Jesus would do sheltering the weak, serving the suffering, mending the broken. We're asking what can we do? What should we do? The least we can do and what is actually the most powerful thing we can do is pray. We have to be watching and praying, Jesus says elsewhere, so that we do not fall under temptation. We need to be praying at all times with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Paul says in Ephesians 6, that same passage about girding up your loins with the truth. Prayer is an essential component of readiness. Being ready, having a kingdom mindset always involves prayer. It involves a spiritual conversation that awakens our awareness of the fact that we are in a spiritual battle and the power we need for this battle comes only from the Lord. The victory comes only from the Lord and the weapons that we fight with are spiritual weapons. But not only prayer, our prayer always leads us to service and our service is always fueled by prayer. Prayer leads us to service because although we are looking and we are seeing a spiritual reality and spiritual warfare and we're looking to a coming kingdom we still live in the world and we are still sent into the world jesus in this passage about worry accepts the reality that his disciples although they are to seek the kingdom of god they will be persecuted in this life by earthly kings and earthly authorities and they will need the Holy Spirit to speak for them in those situations. And so there's this tension between what is coming, which is the coming king, and what our responsibility is here and now. And I read somewhere in light of this passage, what God will do affects what we do. So we'll look at the second part of this passage to see what will God do when he returns. When the master of the house comes back, what will Jesus do? Verse 37 of Luke 12. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and he will come up and wait on them. This is an amazing, startling, jarring picture of the master of the house, Jesus, returning to find faithful and sensible stewards, servants, and instead of being served by them, as is pictured elsewhere in Matthew 25, the master sets aside his clothing. He girds himself to serve, and he has 
the servants recline at the table and the master comes up and waits on them. I love this passage and I've been mulling over this passage for months and months and months. I just keep coming back to it because it is such a startling, jarring picture of the love of God. Jesus pictures himself as the master of the house who when he returns to find his servants faithful, he girds himself to serve and he serves them it's similar to what he says in later in luke in chapter 22 verse 27 he says who is greater the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves typically it's the one who reclines he says isn't it the one who reclines but then he says but i am among you as the one who serves the rest of that passage in revelation 3 verse 20 says jesus pictures himself as standing at the door and knocking he says if anyone hears my voice voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. In John 13, Jesus lovingly lays aside his garments and takes the role of a slave and washes the disciples' feet. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. He is our example. And the beautiful picture that he offers us to encourage us to be ready for his return is the promise that when he comes, he will continue to do us good. It is already a servant's job to serve the master. And elsewhere, Jesus says that we shouldn't expect thanks for doing our duty. We are his servants. We are his slaves. Paul repeatedly refers to himself in lowly terms as a bond slave. That is true. But the promise Jesus gives us, the amazing, astounding reality, is that we are to serve God We are to be Jesus's representatives in the world, doing kingdom work in partnership with him until he comes and sets up his kingdom on earth. We're to do those things not out of duty, but out of delight. And the promise is when he returns, he will continue to do us good. He is pictured as serving us. That is incredible. It is is indescribably amazing to think that we serve a God who chooses to stoop low, that chooses to do us incredible good when we are faithful. In the early part of the article written by the Ukrainian pastor, he asks the question, how should the church respond when there is a growing threat of war, when there's constant fear in society? I'm convinced, he writes, that if the church is not relevant at a time of crisis, then it is not relevant in a time of peace. Moments like this remind us that there is evil in the world. There is immense suffering in the world. There is a sense of helplessness that can overtake us if we do not keep a kingdom mindset. Jesus's larger point in Luke 12 is that we don't need to worry because our God knows our needs and he has chosen gladly to give us the kingdom. Our job is simply to be ready to keep watching and to keep waiting and to be faithful now so that the master finds us faithful when he comes and the promise of Revelation 3.20 is true for us where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. 
In the final two verses of this section, Jesus compares his coming to a thief breaking into a house to illustrate the unexpectedness of his return. And he concludes in verse 40 with the encouragement, you too be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Jesus could come at any moment and he wants his people to be ready. In the third parable in this section, he describes the different reactions that the master will have to faithful slaves and those who were unfaithful. And the unfaithful slaves will be punished according to their knowledge. Those who were ignorant of some of the master's commands will receive a lesser sentence, but a sentence nonetheless. We are responsible for knowing what we are to do in the time between Jesus's first and second coming. We are responsible for knowing what our job is and what our role is as we wait for the master to come. And Jesus concludes, from everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. As you're watching the news, as you're looking through social media, as you're hearing the stories coming out of Ukraine. My encouragement is to read Luke 12 and to consider his words in light of the present situation. As we hear these of these wars and these rumors of wars, we are reminded that there is a king who is sitting on the throne and who is coming soon. And he has asked us to partner with him in doing kingdom work. What does that look like? As we look at Ukraine and Russia, what can we do? What should we do is a question we should be asking. I hope that that this episode helps you consider your responsibility and helps you on your way to um, finding a way to minister in this situation and to be a light in this situation to those around you and to the people of Ukraine. Thanks for listening to this episode of God Besotted. Once again, if you liked it, please share it with a friend or family member or rate it or review it or repost it, all those things. And I will talk to you next week.